Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to Church Sound Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm an audio engineer and an editor with ProSound Web, as well as a lead instructor for Church Sound University. On this episode, spending and saving money, or maybe even when to spend money. A special shout out to this show's sponsor, of course, which is K-Array, whose loudspeaker solutions can be found at k-array.com. And I also want to thank Digico. Their new Quantum 338 and other House of Worship solutions are available at digico.biz. I've spent the last few weeks doing some thinking about money and finances, you know, maybe it's just the new year, and how it relates to House of Worship audio. I've helped my fair share of churches with assorted upgrades over the years, and I've decided to put some thoughts down. It seems in many churches that money is either extraordinarily tight, or it's raining cash and not much in between. And there's new gear out all the time. New software, new gadgets, doodads, features, plugins, and more. It's endless. That's literally capitalism. So how do we balance getting the stuff our church wants, the stuff our church needs, and the stuff the markets are telling us we should get? Well, it can be tough, no doubt there. Let's figure out when we should spend money and when we shouldn't spend money. This is a question that just gets brought up, you know, periodically. Uh, when is it worth it to spend more money and, and when it's not worth it to spend more money? I wouldn't call myself cheap, so to speak. <laughs> I don't save money, you know, to a fault, but I do love saving money. But I also value quality. Let's say frugal. Yeah. Yeah, frugal's good. Uh, we should all strive to be frugal. Most of a church's funds comes from one of two places. A tithing from the folks in the pews every weekend or from the denomination itself. Since churches cannot and should not be profit generating, we have to be frugal and smart with the cash flow. If we were to really strip down what it means to attend church, I imagine it would look pretty similar to thousands of years ago where we'd all just gather together in an open-ish area and hear the word. Well, we get to be more efficient now, reaching greater numbers, and have some pride in our work for God. Maybe I'm going down the rabbit hole here. That's probably going to happen a few more times, but uh, where was I? Oh, right. Um, not being wasteful. So all too often do I see projects that were specced poorly or done by greedier companies that don't really understand the point of worship or work within a church, so they blow the budget way out of proportion and end up not helping the church, but saddlebagging them with a huge bill uh, and an inappropriate tech setup that in particular really drives me up a wall is when I walk into a church and they have a completely inappropriate um tech situation where there's way more gear than necessary or they've just really blown it out because they wanted to make a quick buck. Oh my goodness, I hate doing that so much. I, you all probably know this, really try to have the houses of worship that I work uh, with and at be prepared for things, but you know, for the future and uh, any projects they might see on the horizon, but not so much that we're blowing 
tens of thousands of dollars unnecessarily um, on something that would be handled just fine with a few hundred dollars drives me nuts. It's probably safe to say that if it is determined that your church truly needs something, that the money will be found and spent. But maybe you don't know what you need, or you know you need something but aren't sure which versions to get. I see that a lot of times um, on the forums and online groups. So I just want to cover a, a few popular topics here and try to kind of give you an idea of something that should have some money spent on it and some things where maybe we can cut back or save some money on. So without further ado, microphones. Lapels uh, or lavalier mics are worth a mid-grade purchase. Will you get your money's worth if you really splurge? Absolutely. But don't go with the absolute cheapest you possibly can. These mics are likely being put on people who need to be wait for it, heard. <laughs> and it's also very likely they'll be talking for a while since they don't want to hold a handheld mic. Overall, I would say this is a place to spend some money. Take good care of these mics and they will take good care of you. It's also worth noting that not every mic element sounds equally good or bad on, on every person. So getting in contact with the manufacturer and going for some test rides can really take you far. And also, these mics don't include the device that they're attached to, which I'll cover in the wireless mic section. Uh, this is purely just the mic element. When you go super cheap on these uh, lapel mics or lavalier mics, they can uh, make a lot of extra noise or they're very sensitive um, to either like clothing uh, or the cabling is really weak or the soldering is really weak. And so they just kind of fall apart easily or the cable wants to get uh, snagged up and uh, knotted. Those are all kind of signs of a, of a cheap mic, not to mention uh, they just probably don't sound good. Uh, so getting those mid-grade purchases, especially with these uh, they're just a particular kind of mic. They're very specific in, in their uses. And I have found that if you spend a mid-grade amount of money, you can get, you get a lot of value for your purchase. Instrument mics have a lot more give and take. Uh, SM57s and SM58s have been industry standard for a long time, and they can take you really, really far. And I still recommend uh, those mics all of the time. Many times a DI will suffice or even a piezo pickup if it's an acoustic instrument. Uh, I'm a fan of Barkus Berry pickups for pianos, for instance. Get something sturdy that will last five years or 10 years. The range in prices for instrument mics varies a little bit, but I think spending under $200 a mic will still get you really good results. You know, under $50 a mic, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but when we start talking about instrument mics, really the biggest price differences are if it's a dynamic mic, uh, it's going to be cheaper because there is no kind of uh, electrical bits and pieces in it that need a battery or additional power. So they tend to be extremely sturdy um, and usually, like I said, more affordable. Uh, when we start talking about, you know, condenser mics, uh, those can get a little bit pricier because again, they have sort of active electronics in them and you get a huge variation of results there as well. Typically, and again, not always, um, large diaphragm condensers or condenser mics that are very cheap 
typically sound have like a lot of high end in them. They sound a little bit bright. This is not a, a general statement for every single mic, but that seems to kind of be the idea. You can still get great use out of them, uh, but it's just something to keep in mind. Uh, and then once you move into like ribbon mics, then it starts to get, uh, that is the luxury good of instrument microphones, uh, when it comes to our episode today. But, uh, if you think it would be appropriate to get uh, condenser mics or, you know, a ribbon mic, have that conversation with your team. It could be, it's not for me to say. All I know is I have had some great gigs and some, done some great, um, productions for houses of worship with good old, you know, SM57s and SM58s. They were at one point in time, and I think they may still be around a hundred dollars. So a lot of bang for your buck there. Wireless channels. If you've been a listener since the beginning, you know, I've spoken about wireless mics a time or two. We had Carl on here and, and he's a great contributor and our kind of like wireless guru with us. So, uh, the real gist of uh, all of this is that wireless costs money. Uh, cheaping out on wireless is maybe one of the worst, if not the worst place to cheap out. Really consider if you actually need a certain input to be wireless. You know, the minister maybe should probably be wireless, but the singing drummer? Meh. And this extends to in-ear packs as well. I know it's really cool to be wireless with your in-ear monitors, but is it, is it truly a necessary? Must you be jumping around every place? I, I don't know. That's not for me to say. But just think about before you buy, because this is a commitment. Wireless channels that cost $100 or less uh, per channel will typically have multiple faults. They may be operating in an illegal range, which is bad. They may also not have adjustable frequencies also bad. If your wireless channels start interfering with each other or with other gadgets, you're going to have a bad time. Okay. And additionally, their range may not be enough for your sanctuary or Bema or wherever you may be performing at. It may not be enough. So even if uh, it was affordable and the receiver may be behind the stage or in front of house, uh, it may be too weak to reach wherever the, um, person is standing that needs to use it. That's not good either. Again, it's completely useless at that point. Rough estimate, I think spending about $400 per channel uh, is is a minimum. And I, I think other people might quote you even higher, like $600 a channel. You know, it's, it's not cheap. Uh, it is worth the investment. And when you have rock solid wireless, you never even have to really think about it. Once you set it up, especially for our cases where we're kind of stationary, as in not on tour, it's sensational. But cheaping out when it comes to the wireless channels is only going to cause a great deal of pain and horror later on if we're not up to snuff. So uh, again, keep your eyes out. $400 bare minimum per channel. If, if you see something on some website that says that you can get a wireless, you know, um, let's see, a wireless in-ears for uh, $90 a channel or $125 for a four pack, you know, run, don't walk. <laughs> DIs. Go cheap here. A DI is a direct injection box and will 
take unbalanced signals and make them balanced and or uh, take an instrument level signal into a mic level signal uh, that's more suitable for console preamps. There's always an argument to get a more expensive DI or one that's active versus passive uh, or with a nicer transformer, but the only DI I've met that didn't get the job done was a broken one. Cheap or nice, just grab one. It's better to have a few cheaper ones than have none. And again, I've used ones that are very expensive, several hundred dollars. They're great, but I've also used a like $30 one and it got the job done as well and it still works. So DI's, great place to go cheap. Preamps. You need preamps in order to have more microphones in your system. These aren't typically found just loose and on their own, unless you're a recording studio, in which case it's very posh to go buy some specific preamps or do something fancy, get a 500 series or something, uh, I don't know. The number of preamps you need is often the largest factor in console purchasing. So if you need more inputs or you need more preamps, the larger or more powerful the console needs to be. As far as quality of preamps goes, there's a lot of conversation around it. It's not really point blank uh, here. The only way to really tell is to listen to the things side by side. Oftentimes, the preamps are just a portion of the signal chain uh, that affects the overall sound quality. The converter, I might argue, is even more important. Uh, and the converter is what's taking the signal uh, from an analog to digital information. And I, I think that's a much, much more important part of the chain, but I don't want to get too deep down that hole. You know, preamps are important. And of course you want a preamp that you're able to add a lot of gain to before adding in a bunch of noise or degrading the signal. But I make the argument that the converter is more important and even as a bigger part of it, it's not often you buy just a converter by itself. And that's where we kind of get into the next topic, which is consoles. Consoles are more part of the equation. Spend money on the workflow that fits you best. You'll also have to spec out the number of preamps you need. Consoles come with some on board, and it's often you'll need remote I.O. in a different location or additional preamps. Getting the most expensive board is not necessarily the right answer, and neither is uh, spending the least amount of money as possible. Consoles are worth spending some money on, as they get plenty of use. Quality and build quality really mean something here. In addition to preamps, workflow, and build quality, the number of processable channels is a big determinant in console picking. While many of your inputs will need preamps, the number of inputs or outputs that you'll need to process are important to know. So I know I'm a little bit biased here when it comes to consoles. Uh, I've got opinions, but these are important tools that are a large chunk of the signal chain. So it's worth an investment, but don't feel like you need to blow every single penny you've got on it. If you can only afford the smallest digital console, get it. If that's able to get the job done for you, go for it. Entering into the digital realm is a really big and future-proofing step. Uh, there are always occasions where, you know, some analog might just be more appropriate, but if we're talking about like a house of worship, 
with anything bigger than maybe like a 50 cap sanctuary or a hundred cap sanctuary, anything bigger than that, uh, you want to start thinking about entering into the, into the digital realm because we're able to do so many more things, but I'm sure you folks know that no, no surprise there. Batteries. I spent most of my production life using rechargeable batteries. I think they're better for the environment, but I understand some folks' hesitation to use these because uh, they don't hold as long of a charge after a while. I always recommend folks labeling the batteries with the date you started using them and keeping an eye on them. Once you see them dip to, you know, barely making it through the service, and make note of how long they've lasted and start a system. Keep track of these batteries. Don't just keep adding new ones, taking away some of them and getting them all mixed up. This is intentional. We're going in here with a system. So regular batteries are all fine and dandy. Um, but think about how many bucketfuls you'll be using. You know, I have no doubt that you can get a ton of batteries on Amazon or whatever for a, a good deal. But think about how many times you use batteries or how many places we use batteries uh, in our services, especially if you've got wireless channels, Buku batteries. So once you start using regular batteries, it's hard to trust them uh, or keep track of how much juice they have left. If you use 75% of a battery's juice, do you try and use the last 25% during rehearsal or do you just chuck it? Having plenty of rechargeable batteries to me seems like the best use of money and the least wasteful. In the long run, rechargeable batteries are better for the money, so I suppose this is the cheap option. So I guess cheap app, do the rechargeable batteries. Let's just do our part. I trust those more than 600 regular batteries uh, that I can't keep track of. I mean, I think about all the Sundays and how many sets of two AA's go on different mics um, or different DI's and what have you. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I just like feel bad using regular batteries at this point. Rechargeables from here on out. Battery technology has come a long way. So anyways, um, more rabbit holes, folks, I, I told you. Plugins. Plugins can be really cool tools. There are excellent situations and reasons in which to implement a plugin of any assortment. However, if the topic of today's episode is know when to spend money and when to not spend money, I'm sort of on the side of not spending the money on plugins. Digital consoles. Remember how uh, I mentioned that they were worth stepping into earlier? Well, Having plenty of stock options for processing inside of these consoles, um, and some of them are even really great. <laughs> some, some stock effects or processes are really good. They also come with the cost of the console and aren't a monthly fee or hundreds of additional dollars, if not thousands, plus more gear. If you do find yourself wanting to upgrade, many consoles have plugins you can purchase. That will at least keep things in-house, um, but adding third-party controls and audio can be a really complex system, but that's definitely for another time. You know, again, it's third-party is, is great, um, but it's, sometimes it's just more variables that maybe you don't have time to deal with. So when to spend money and when to not, it can be tough and it depends on your situation. But in general, I think lapel mics, consoles, and wireless channels are worth the price that you pay. 
But things like DIs, microphones, rechargeable batteries, and plugins, you know, save some money. I'm also not here to say cheaper things aren't any good or that expensive things aren't worth it. These are shades of gray, people. Money decisions can be tough, which is why it's all the more important for folks to work with integrators that understand their needs and aren't looking to make a quick buck at the expense <laughs> um, of the church's work. It's also important to do your own research and talk to others, read reviews, and get multiple bids. You know, it's kind of a, a hard time to get completely bamboozled here. There's lots of information out there, lots of reading to be done. I mean, lots of test driving that you can do. Not every new gadget needs to be purchased. And I firmly believe that being trained on equipment goes a lot further uh, than simply buying the newest, shiniest thing. So be sure that when you are in need of purchasing something, it's because you've reached the limits of its functions. It's broken uh, and unfixable, or you hit the lottery. And if the latter, my email is in the show notes. Well, uh, thank you for joining me this episode. If you have any questions, never hesitate to reach out. I know that this can be a money is just a really hard topic. Um, when I worked uh, at a seminary, this was always almost had like whole sessions of class uh, dedicated to having to have these conversations, how to have these conversations, you know, money and church, it, they almost kind of seem like at polar opposites. But, you know, uh, we have stuff that we're working on and productions that we work on. And sometimes, you, you know, you need money for that. So let's make the best use of the money that we do have and make sure that we're not being frivolous or being taken advantage of. Church Sound Podcast is part of the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network, and I'm Samantha Potter. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing service this week.